Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I have a very special guest on for my Tuesday Tangent segment. But before we get there, I just want to remind folks, I just got a new hat in, uh, mormonbookreviews.com, and you can order merch from the store. Uh, we have coffee mugs, coasters, all that. And those of you who are sponsoring me on PayPal and Patreon, I appreciate it. If you want to financially support the channel, just go into the description and click on. So I have on today Chris Jensen, who wrote the book Obscure Mormon Doctrine, Uncommon Beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I asked him to basically select different doctrines or topics that are talked about in his book. I don't know ahead of time what he's going to be talking about. Um, but before we get there, uh, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, Stephen. Thank you. It's been a hectic day. I just drove to Cork, uh, Cork Ireland from Galway. So I'm uh, I'm recording this from Ireland. Oh, that's awesome. So I was talking to somebody in France who's also from Korea, North South Korea, but was in France. So it's I'd like to talk to all these jet setters. It's pretty cool. Great. So um, so basically, uh, Chris, you know, you wrote this book a little over a year ago. It's actually done very well. Um, I hear a lot of great feedback from people who bought the episode, the book, as a result of you coming on my show and me doing a book review. Um, and I just find the topic fascinating because this is. Uh, obscure Mormon doctrine, some people call it deep Mormon doctrine that's not really talked about, and you want to talk about it, and you wrote this really great, I think, unbiased uh, book where it can be serve as a reference tool for those of you who are doing research on Mormonism, whether you're evangelical, you're atheist, you're a Mormon, it's a great resource, so I want you to come on, I said, I don't want to know what you're going to talk about, just bring up a topic, and let's have some fun today, so Chris, what do you have for us today? Um, Thank you, Stephen. So yeah, the, the book, the purpose of the book is to get into a little bit more of the detail of the doctrine. And one thing I want to point out is a, a common, let's call it a fallacy or misconception about the doctrine that's in the book, is that even though much of it is not discussed as much in the church as it used to be, it's still the doctrine. And that's why it's important. Um, just because it's not talked about doesn't mean it's not still the doctrine. And, and if it's not the doctrine anymore, I point that out in the book. And so the first topic today that I thought would be interesting is about temple work slash salvation of the dead. And I don't want to talk about, you know, what, what it means, because I assume that a lot of people know. If you're Mormon, you know what it means. If you're not Mormon, in 20 minutes, we can't we can't explain it except to very briefly, you know, I want to very briefly explain what it is, but then get into the implications of it, uh, which is kind of the purpose of my book. The purpose of my book was to take the analysis one step further. You know, well, if this, then what does it mean? What does it actually mean? And so this is a good example of what I what I'm talking about in the book. Um, saving ordinances so-called saving ordinances are required for exaltation. <clears throat> you know, and I'm not gonna qualify what I say with according to the church. I'm just gonna give it to you the way the church teaches it. And it's not relevant whether I believe it or not. <clears throat> right. And so in order to, you know, achieve or reach the highest level of heaven, which is called uh, the celestial kingdom, you have to have received saving ordinances. If, you, if you're entering any other level of heaven, you don't need them. And that's why they're called saving ordinances because they lead to exaltation. 
or, or salvation. And they include baptism, your endowment, and sealing if you want to make it to the highest level of the celestial kingdom, which is celestial marriage. And so in other words, everybody has to have these ordinances done for them with a few exceptions that I will mention later. If they, uh, you know, if they want to make it into the celestial kingdom, they will have the chance after their death, if they didn't have the chance in life to hear the gospel and accept it or reject it in the spirit world, which brings up an interesting point. Why would they reject it? Uh, if they heard it in the spirit world, that's that's something that I, I don't want to cover today, except to say that the law of agency exists in the spirit world, just like it does in this world. And so if you would have accepted the gospel, if you had heard it in this life, then you will accept it in the spirit world or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point of this discussion. Um, so this is the main work of temples. And a lot of people don't understand what temples do, what their purpose is. Uh, some people think that they're just churches, but they're not. They are specifically set aside only for worthy church members to perform these saving ordinances, first for themselves and then for the dead. That's why it's called salvation of the dead. And go ahead and stop me anytime you want to, Stephen, if something's not clear. Okay, so this is the interesting part of, the, of, the, of today's discussion is, well, what, what are the implications of that? The implications are that literally every single person that has ever lived or will ever live on this earth, with the exception of children, which I'll talk about in a minute, have to have the saving ordinances done for them if they don't do them for themselves in the temple. So in my case, I have been baptized. I have taken out my own endowment. I have even been sealed in, in an LDS temple, in the Salt Lake Temple. And so I have, I have performed all of the saving ordinances for myself. But of course, the great majority of, of humanity hasn't and, and never will. <clears throat> and the best statistics I could come up with in the book were from 1994. So I apologize that they're quite old, but it illustrates the point. As of 1994, uh, there had been approximately 140 million proxy temple endowments performed. So, you know, Mormons go to the temple regularly and the endowment that you're that you're performing vicariously on behalf of somebody else who can then later accept it or reject it lasts about an hour. Uh, it used to last longer. So only through 1994, church members had volunteered well over 140 million hours in the temple performing endowments, which is a, an astounding number. And you can look at that two ways. You can say, well, that's very impressive, the amount of time that the church members are, are devoting to helping uh, the dead. Or you could look at it in another way and say, well, this is a, a lot of time that's being spent that potentially could be spent in a better way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hundreds of millions of hours 
being spent, uh, you know, to save the dead, to basically mm -hmm. save the dead. Now, just and, I, I'm just curious. This 140 million baptisms would this have included like the victims of the Holocaust uh, as well? Jewish um, victims okay. of the Holocaust. Very importantly, it's not baptisms that I'm talking about. That's separate from okay. the statistic. I'm talking about only endowments, and I'm glad you asked that question. Okay. Because this work for the dead, these saving ordinances include baptism, endowment, and sealing. And so okay. your question is actually a very interesting question because there are, and I used to do it when I was younger because it's usually younger LDS uh, church members are going to the temple to be to be baptized for the dead. Mm -hmm. And that's something that normally younger uh, LDS members are doing proxy baptism. And so inside the temple, inside the main temple area, those are endowments for the dead or ceilings for the dead, not baptism. Got it. And yeah, there, there are lists, you know, genealogy Mormons are, are famous for their genealogy. And this is one of the main reasons, if not the main reason why, why Mormons research their ancestry and why they're so interested in genealogy is, is specifically salvation of the dead. Mm. You know, this connection between the living and the dead. And that it's our part of our responsibility, in, in fact, the, the current church leadership says that it's the main uh, work of, of the latter days is to save the dead. Mm. And so people are, are, are accumulating. With the Holocaust, there has been controversy about that. Um, there have been incidents in the past where uh, Holocaust members or Holocaust victims have been baptized vicariously, and then that came out, and various Jewish groups uh, protested and, and the church reacted. Mm -hmm. And now they've set up a, basically a firewall to prevent that from happening, mm -hmm. unless it's your own family member, and then it's okay. So this is the kind of thing that you'll find in the book. <clears throat> so 140 million hours only on endowments through 1994. And if you're sticking with 1994 as your reference point, um, as of 1994, it, it is, it's estimated that about 105 billion people had lived on the earth th through that year. So if you take 140 million and you divide it into 105 billion, the work as of 1994 that has been done for everybody on earth who has ever lived on earth was 0.13%. Mm -hmm. In other words, just over one-tenth of 1% 1 of 105 billion. And it's interesting to dig, you know, to dig into the implications of the doctrine this way, because most people don't. They basically just take it at face value. Okay, so what's the answer? You know, we, we will never be able to perform all of the work required, bab baptize, endowment, sealing for every single person to ever live on the earth. And, the, and apparently the solution is the millennium. Okay. So we have a thousand years when the millennium arrives where vicarious temple work will be performed and, and it will be the main great work of the millennium, temple work. Um, and more temples will be built. Yeah. 
And, and you notice how the, they're building a ton of temples now too. So I just wonder if this is a sign of something, you know, like it this absolutely is, the, yeah. is if you're, if you're devout, it's a huge sign because what you say is true compared to when I was uh, growing up in the church, there are infinitely more temples and always, always increasing. Yeah. And vicarious temple work will occupy most church members time during the millennium when that makes sense because when you think about it you know one of the great challenges is that homo sapiens we keep on pushing the date back of when homo sapiens came on the scene hundreds of thousands of years ago and so the great challenge of course is going to be there are no written records uh human writing is a relatively new invention so the great challenge i imagine for the millennium would be able to track down all of humanity that has existed for hundreds of thousands of years without records. Okay, again, I love your comment because it's, it, it, it leads into what I was just going to mention. Church members during the millennium will, will receive help okay. um, from the deceased. So the deceased will essentially work hand in hand with the living who are alive on the earth during the millennium to furnish them names of dead mortals that were not able to be obtained through research okay that is fascinating when you stop and think about it, which makes sense so now you're in the millennial you've got the reign of christ on the earth you probably expect that the veil is very very thin right so there exactly. you, there's probably going to be more and more interactions with those who have deceased and those who are living on earth during the millennium so this will then enable the tracking down of humanity all the way from the very first homo sapiens Exactly. Not, not a single soul, obviously, will be overlooked. You know, that's the whole point. Every single person, um, with one exception that I'm going to mention, um, has to be accounted for, has to receive sooner or later the saving ordinances performed on their behalf so that they can then accept or reject. And if they accept, they can then make it into the celestial kingdom. Um, so if you do the math, you know, you take 105 billion people, and this is only, again, through 1994. Um, you know, if the millennium arrived in 1994, there would be a thousand years to complete the temple work for over 105 billion people. And chapter 14 in my book talks about children, and it's actually the next topic I'm going to talk about today. Um, because there are special, you know, special considerations for children, as there should be. Um, if you're a child who dies before the age of eight, the age of accountability, you don't need baptism and you don't need an endowment. But you still need, um, you still need uh, to be sealed. I'm getting ahead of myself. I mean, I'm going to talk about that under the next topic. But if we just forget about children, you know, and it's, it's estimated that roughly half of those who have lived on earth died as a child. Mm -hmm. And so we cut 105 billion in half because only adults, non-children require saving ordinances performed for them. It leaves us with about 53 billion. And that means temple work these three saving ordinances will have to be done for roughly 53 uh, billion people uh, 
meaning 53 million per year of the millennium. Okay. Or an average of 145,000 of each of those ordinances per day for a thousand years. Okay. Well, and you know, this is logistics, like you're thinking, okay, how in the world is this going to happen? But one of the things I think is the key is that if Jesus returns to Independence, Missouri, and establishes his kingdom, then it would be rather obvious that the Mormon church is the correct church. So I imagine that all the people who are on planet Earth at this time would probably all become members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So at that point, I imagine it would be infinitely much more easier to obtain these goals and these numbers when you basically would have the entire planet, physical planet Earth, would obviously convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, knowing that that would be the place where Jesus, that's the church that he is, is the head of. Uh, yeah, and that's the right way to think about it. You know, during the millennium, uh, all of the occupants of the earth will be righteous and uh, engaged in, in the cause. Obviously, it will be clear at that point that the church, you know, if, if it's the case, the church is true and everybody will be engaged and temples will be, instead of dozens or hundreds, there will be thousands or tens of thousands of temples. And 145,000 per day sounds crazy right now, but it probably it's probably doable. I mean, we're just about it. the human population is just about ready to hit the, hit the 8 billion mark. So, man, yeah. you do the math. I mean, you could probably do all these baptisms in a relatively short period of time. And you could probably spend the rest of the millennium uh, kind of just chilling, <laughs> right? Just chilling out. It's pretty cool. So that's that's the end of that first topic. OK, so first of all, I wanted to thank you so much today for coming onto the program and doing this Tuesday's Tangents segment with me. And so you're in the rotation now uh, with Brent Ashworth and Nathan Smith and uh, Tarek LaCour will be coming on. Um, Jonathan Neville's done some stuff. And I just find, I love hearing all these different voices and perspectives on this program. And this is meant to basically just be short segments, introductory things. And what are the implications of some of these doctrines when you think about them, you take it you know, to its logical, you know, when you just do kind of like a thought experiment, which is what we kind of did today. So uh, Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on. I remind my audience to don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the notification button for when a new episode comes out. Also, we are on all the major podcast formats, so you can download us on Apple and uh, on uh, Spotify as well. And um, uh, thanks again, dude. Really appreciate you coming on today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And so you all have yourself a great day. <laughs>